Ohio State pitches another complete game, taking down the Terrapins. How good are they? Is C.J. Stroud Heisman worthy? Is the defense really good? All these questions and more will attempt to answer in this another scintillating episode of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance, along with my partner in crime, Johnny Ray Ginner. Johnny, you know, it was kind of fun to watch uh, a game in which it looked like Ohio State was maybe channeling the Ohio State of old looking competent in all three phases of the game, a defense that looked like, hey, maybe it could actually shut down a, a heretofore pretty good offense. Ohio State's offense looks like maybe it's the best in the country. What did you like about this Buckeye game, and do you think it's sustainable? Uh, I mean, I like the fact that they won by, what, 49 points? That was pretty cool. I like <laughs> pretty Pretty cool. I'll, that was sweet. I'll take that. I enjoyed that. I like the fact that CJ Stroud looked just, I mean, basically perfect. I don't, I don't know how much better he could have been. It was, it was pretty hilarious to watch him just hit everything. Uh, you know what I really like? This is, and I know, I know it's dumb to get caught up in this horse race because they're all so good. And, and there's really not like if one guy doesn't have a lot of yards or a lot of catches in a, you know, individual game, that doesn't say anything about anything. But I did like the fact that Chris Olave, was such a big factor um you know it's not that he had had a poor season to this point i mean he's had a great season but you know for a person who's considered to be one of if not the best wide receiver you know in the country i i wanted to see him you know i want him to see rack up those huge numbers and get those you know tons of touchdowns and all that kind of stuff so it was cool to see him get 120 yards get the two tds um, you know, be that leader of the wide receiving core that I think everybody expects of them. And, uh, you know, it's not just one player, but it's cool when your stars kind of step out. I also like the fact that Trayvon Henderson really got it rolling later on in the game and still managed to, you know, he didn't have a great start. He wasn't doing super hot at the beginning. And obviously Maryland was focused on, you know, kind of containing him, but he still got over a hundred yards and still averaged over six a carry. So ended up pretty, pretty good for him. Yeah, so well, those I, I like seeing the stars shine out, especially against a team that you know you think that you can exploit some weaknesses and, and really rack up some points and yards. You know, this was a th this was a good conversation I I had in the comments with some reader listeners. Uh, I write the debriefing each week after the game, and and one of the one of our mods actually a great guy, a good mind for football, asked the question if I was at all concerned about offensive line vis-a-vis -vis establishing the run game that uh you know that they weren't just blowing guys up getting getting uh you know the defense off the line of scrimmage and open up these huge holes and and you know the thing that i thought about and i, I want to ask uh kyle jones about this we're gonna have kyle on the program next week and and, and i know dear listener that uh i i promised we'd get him on this week and we just couldn't sync up schedules uh, so we're gonna do that next week but we were talking about the the running game you know, my observation was that Maryland decided they were going to make Stroud uh, earn his keep through the air, that that they were going to sell out to stop the run. They didn't want right. Henderson to tear him a new one. And they did that in the first half. I mean, I think Henderson had maybe 17 yards rushing in the first half, something that was really anemic. But <laughs> you look at how well those wide receivers and C.J. Stroud played you know, this is an offense where you really pick your poison. You, you know, yeah. do you, do you want, do you want death by 30 yards a clip from Travion Henderson, or do you want death by 20 or 30 yards a clip from Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, 
uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, it's you take take your pick because it's going to be one or the other of those things. You're just not. Or, it feels to me like you're just not going to be able to stop both of those things. Well, here's the other thing, though. What about Trayvon Henderson in the passing game? I mean, that oh, was crap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because his four catches. I mean, what he averaged yeah. twelve <laughs> or fifteen a catch. Yeah. So what do you do about that? Because that's that's the thing. I mean, it's the great thing about Henderson and, and what's really fun to watch about him is that even if he's getting stuffed in the running game, he's so fast and dynamic as a pet pass catcher, you got to account for that dude coming out of the backfield anyway. So it's still, there's a lot of ways that he can be used in the offense. Um, you know, as opposed to just like, you know, just running up the gut. I mean, th there's a lot of different things that he can do, which is probably why he's so, you know, fun to watch and so interesting, mm -hmm. but you know, you look at Ohio state in totality and, and their offense. And it's like, there's no, there's no, you know, misunderstanding or like doubt as to, you know, the, the fact that this is one of the best offenses in the country. I mean, it's, it's the, it's very evident. It is incredibly self-evident. That's the word I'm looking for. It's incredibly self-evident when you watch this team, just how multifaceted it is that they're obviously one of the best offenses in the country, if not the best offense. And it's not because they're putting up a bunch of yards and points against tomato cans. It's because they can attack you in a trillion different ways. And, you know, you can complain about Ryan day in terms of like how he managed, you know, things like the defensive coaching staff and all these other things, but they are still absolutely killing it on offense. And what he's been known for as a, you know, quarterback guru, offensive, you know, genius, all this stuff that still applies in 2021. That has not changed. Um, so, you know, if this is a dangerous team, they're dangerous because of that offense. And I don't see that diminishing at any point in the season. They're going to continue to be really, really great at offense. Yeah. And, you know, you, when you're talking about Henderson out of the backfield, Bill Connolly at ESPN, actually wrote about this a few weeks back where he talked about and he was talking about cj stroud's passing chart in the first few games of the seasons what he was mm -hmm. talking about uh, and he he made the comment that nobody uses the passing game and specifically those those short little bubble screens or short kind of out routes um the, the better as an extension of the running game than ohio state like ryan right. day has made that an art for me and i know you know urban meyer did that well but it was really ryan day has elevated this to to an art form so hey yeah if we if we can't send master teague down your throat you know up the middle like old school power football although i i could be wrong here i swear i saw a fullback on the field a few times <laughs> in yeah. recent weeks something looked a hell of a lot like maybe an eye formation there perhaps you know, there was some it was kind of fun uh but you know being able to have a henderson who can catch it out there in space and you know just burn your ass uh is is pretty incredible is this the best offense in in college football uh statistically the answer is yes uh ohio state again by Connolly's sp plus measure number one offense in the country 47.7 points uh i want to scan here real quick and see who number two is number two is old miss at 41.8 so look at that so ohio state is almost six full points and i don't know what to i don't know enough about this number to tell you like how much better uh that says ohio state's offense is than old misses but but at any rate there's six points between the first and second place uh rated offenses in that system so ohio state well, is that much better 
<laughs> than the next best team. This is actually the metric that I really like. I saw this on Twitter, um, I think maybe yesterday, uh, but they were talking about um, yards per play, right? And that's something yeah. that I say. Ohio State, they're actually second in the country in yards per play. They're not winning. Coastal Carolina's got 8.82. Ohio State's at 8.55. That's a full yard ahead of the next highest yards per play team in Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is at 7.56. Ohio State is averaging an entire yard more than that. Uh, that that to me shows just how advanced, you know, what's going on here. And of course, it's it's a testament to the weapons and all that. And that's awesome. But like, I don't know, everything's just firing in all cylinders right now. Yeah. And I almost I'm a little sad there's a bye week coming up because I, I want this momentum to keep going. I want them to be able to keep, you know, kind of proving this. And it kind of sucks that a lot of the teams that you're maybe a little bit worried about or whatever, you got to wait a little bit. Right. To see him, to play him, as well, opposed to just getting him next week. I, I want him now, darn it! I want him. I want him now that Ohio State looks pretty much un- invincible on in offense. I think the only reason that I'm glad that there is a bye week is if CJ Stroud looked that much better after one week's rest well, that's on true, that yeah. shoulder, then hell yeah, give me another week of rest for that yeah. guy because more rest is good. Yeah, he was already great and like just was i mean darn your like what did you want him to do in the last two weeks that that he didn't do dude i mean just uh and and the incompletions i mean half of the incompletions i think you could record were were drops uh not not over he he hasn't been overthrowing guys like you you know early those first three four games you could say okay he's overthrowing guys he's got you know he's got some nerves whatever it is um but i i've just been super impressed with the offense uh you know they're not they're not super balanced in terms you know the the old urban meyer 250 250 mantra um translates well to nfl yeah yeah since that was in the news this week uh you know they're not there may be more i don't you know it looks more nfl like right in terms of pass Mm -hmm. heavy versus rush and it's working so i'm I'm on board with it Uh, i don't care about balance i don't i I, i'll be real i I don't think it matters if your offense is doing what it needs to do you're scoring a lot of points you're getting a bunch of yards uh balance is stupid (laughs) like who cares it doesn't like get it done however you're going to get it done and if ohio state can do this to other teams and maryland's not a bad team what they were four and one going to that game they're not a bad team by any stretch of imagination they're a pretty Mm -hmm. good team um if Iowa State can do that against teams with you know more stout defenses, then I don't screw it. Throw fifty times a game, and if it works, it works. And, and that's you know that's what Ryan Day and his offense did with Dwayne Haskins, and it was it, that's what they needed to do. So again, my biggest thing with Ryan Day that I've always appreciated is that he is super super willing to adjust his offenses to what his personnel dictates. And if he believes that he can win a game and score 50 points by throwing the ball 50 times, he'll do that. If he thinks he can do it by running the ball 50 times, he'll do that. It's just, it's completely up to what the situation dictates. And that's what I think makes him the kind of coach that has some real staying power because Mm -hmm. it's not going to be reliant on some specific scheme that he's trying to go for or, you know, like his bread and butter or whatever. I don't think he has a bread and butter. He likes, you know, certain concepts with his offense, but it's not, I don't think any of this stuff is uh, something that he's just beholden to, which I, I love. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I've, I'm, I 100% agree with you. The, the, the one thing that uh, I find kind of 
interesting uh, as we close out our discussion of the offense. So you have CJ Stroud and Travion Henderson both now in the top seven, according to the odds makers in the Heisman Trophy race. Uh, you know, Stroud, I think, is like what plus plus 500, third is five to one, basically. Uh, third best odds in the nation. Henderson, let me find that number. Henderson's a little lower than that, is seventh, I guess. Um, Who's it? Who's who's number one right now? I'm number one is Bryce Young, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. At even after even after the loss, uh, odds are down. He was even money a week ago, okay. so he's down to it's down to seven to four now. Um, and and I thought this was interesting. Kevin uh, Harris at the site made the point that Stroud ranks in the top ten nationally in passing touchdowns, passing yards, yards per completion, and passing efficiency, while Henderson leads the nation in yards per carry and is tied for fourth in the country with nine rushing touchdowns. So hmm. both both exceptional. And and oh by the way, for the sixth time in six games this season. An Ohio State player earned Big Ten Freshman of the Week. C.J. Stroud won his fourth Freshman of the Week and was also co-offensive player of the week. So you've got these two guys are getting the accolades. Henderson was also Freshman of the Week earlier in the in the uh, season. But what that what 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 you haven't seen then is this trio of wide receivers. It, it's pretty clear to me that Ohio State is the best wide receiver room in the country. And because there's three of them, as opposed to like just one great wide receiver on a team, right? Like it feels like they're not getting enough love for how damn oh, good they are. Yeah, I, you know, there are people who are watching this game, and I, I enjoy watching the reactions of um, people who do like NFL analysis and things like that when they watch college football games because you know they're always looking for uh, you know guys that are going to be drafted and and how they project and all that stuff. And I love their reactions to things that like, you know, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave do, because they're just like, these are, these are NFL players playing college right now. Yes, like there's yes. no, they, they <laughs> there's no like more learning that they need to do to prepare themselves for the league. They're there. That's where they're at. And they're just destroying dudes. And it, it's funny because neither of those guys are what I would call. They're not, you know, they're not Calvin Johnson. They're not Megatron out there. They're not so much more physically gifted that they are just running over guys or running past guys. They are just so, so precise and good at what they do, particularly in running routes and with their hands and body control. It, again, they're, they're not, they're not these physical specimens that are just destroying guys. They're just that much better. They're technically incredibly sound players and that's fun as hell to watch. That is so fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. You've got, you know, when you've got all of these guys on the field at the same time, uh, it kind of lessens maybe the impact that people, you know, might, might see on the game, but it's, you know, it's all there. And any one of those guys, of course, would be, you know, wide receiver number one on any team yes um i mean you, you as see, proven you, by Bama, the fact that Bama goes down to bama it ends up being like their best player right so, so like so let's take a little sojourn to the southeastern conference uh that 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 alabama texas a&m game was wild uh it, you know going from iowa penn state to alabama texas a&m uh <laughs> was uh, emotional whiplash you're watching two different sports it felt like yeah. and williamson i mean dude if you want to talk about when they talk about players putting a team on their back uh and trying to just will them to the victory jamo was that guy wasn't he yeah he was I mean, fantastic yeah he's their best player and i don't think that's really debatable I, I think you know you look at the crazy stuff that he does and you're like oh my god this is this is the guy who would be the 
He would be number four. It would be number four on Ohio State's roster. Like that's that's what's really mind blowing about all of this. And of course, Alabama lost to Texas A and M, um, and not because Jameson Williams did a bad job. I mean, that guy had almost 150 yards receiving. But um, it, this is a fun football season in a macro sense. If you look at this, I like when college football is this wide open. And I don't know. I mean, I know you're, you know, people are like, okay, well, now it's Georgia, right? Georgia's the good team. All the other teams, okay, we, we're figuring it out. We're figuring out what the number one team is. I, I don't believe that. And I don't think you're going to find that. I mean, yes, Alabama will probably go ahead and win every other game, you know, that they have for the rest of the season. But it does feel like there's a little bit more parity in terms of these uber talented, you know, big time names as opposed to just one or two teams that are hoarding all the, the big time talent that you're not going to see. I mean, you know, obviously Alabama went on to win, but you're not going to see like a, you know, a Trevor Lawrence versus a Justin Fields kind of situation where it's like, okay, well, these are clearly the two best players on two different teams and they're going to play each other in this Titanic matchup. It just, it feels so much more wide open than that. And that's what I, again, that's what I love about college football. I don't want to see Spencer Rattler just having the entire narrative to himself. Right. And obviously he's not going to now because he's been playing like booty and, you know, yeah. he's not going to be that dude anymore, but I, it's more fun for me to watch a team where you really don't know where the greatness is going to come from. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's cool. I, I've enjoyed that quite a bit and, you know, I'm glad Texas A&M as much as I cannot stand the Aggies and their fans. Um, I, I, that was a fun game. That was, really I, fun. I, I, I'm okay with the Aggies cause I work in the ag space. So I know a lot of people who are A&M grads and they're, they're usually mm-hmm. good people. Uh, I can't tolerate Jimbo Fisher. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's not, not a guy I'd want my kid playing ball for. Um, so that, you know, it was like where I kind of respect Nick Saban cause he is the best to ever do it all time. No questions. Oh yeah. Easy. Yeah. That's so, so I, he's a, a, he's, he's a worthy opponent to me. Um, sure. So that what I find, of course, you know, interesting is how will this play out? Can can Georgia, you know, put the nail in the coffin to keep Alabama out of the playoff come SEC championship game or, you know, if they end up playing there, uh, what's that look like? You know, how many losses does Alabama end up with? Do they end up with two losses for the first time in however long Uh, is Georgia legit? It looks like they are. Uh, Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting thing there. Five big 10 teams in the. AP top. Yeah, I think that's dumb this week. <laughs> I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb. And I, you know what? I really hope nobody, because I wrote that in threat level too. I was like, that's stupid. Uh, and I hope that nobody hears this and goes, you know, has a little twinge of conference pride and goes, no, no, the Big Ten's good. Because I'm sorry. I watched Penn State and Iowa. Iowa literally has the 120th, I'm going to use in quotation marks, best offense in the country. They're ranked 120th in offense. Um, They're not that good in defense. And, you know, obviously Penn state loses their quarterback backup throws a bajillion intercept. It just looks garbage and got awful. Uh, That was not a matchup between, in my opinion, two top 10 teams. I'm, I'm going to read you a line here that just blew my mind because you've given me the, the perfect segue here. Sure. So B- Bill Connolly, who I referenced earlier in the program, and I, I follow him closely because I enjoy um, his approach with the SP plus and you know, the, the attempt to kind of apply some advanced analytics to, to a wacky, crazy sport. Mm-hmm. And this week, his column was focused on the fatal flaw of all of the remaining 
playoff contenders. And so when he gets to Ohio State, his fatal flaw. Now, let me ask you this question first. Just quick, quick answer. You don't have to give give an explanation. Like, what would you say is the fatal flaw on this team that would that would keep it, you know, out of uh, out of playoff contention? If there's a fatal flaw on Ohio State's team, what is it? I mean, in general, I would say the defense, obviously, but it's specifically, I think I would be more worried about like, you know, I would be worried about the linebackers and can they stop teams from running the ball? Yes, that's that is the exact same. Yes, I was hoping you would say because that's the exact same thing I would say linebackers can you stop guys from just running the hell out of you like if you if you play against a really good running team are you going to be able to stop them on third and intermediate third and short because to me that is why ohio state lost the oregon game because oh boy just you know could run the ball at will and could not get off the field and those first three games in general i mean really up until you got to what akron like that was the book. Like we were all right. sitting here saying, damn, how did this pass defense like stop? Like, will they do? So bad? Will they get a three and out? Yeah. And, and they, they just couldn't stop anybody on the ground. Well, so, so Connolly's angle here is the fatal flaw. He says, it's still hard to trust this pass defense. He said, it's quite possible. Ohio state's found its form. The Buckeyes lost to Oregon and needed 60 minutes to pull away from Tulsa, but have beaten their last three opponents by a combined 177 to 27, averaging nine yards of play. Um, and, and are now number two ahead of Alabama and SP plus. All right. But here's what he talks about the past events. He says, here, this is what, this is what kind of blows my mind. He said Ohio state still allowed a 71% completion rate and 514 total passing yards to Rutgers and Maryland over the past two weeks. Although they did record six sacks and five picks, the disruption is increasing. Here's where my mind starts to melt quote, but three remaining opponents have quarterbacks who currently rank in the total QBR top 10. Those are Penn state, Michigan state, and Nebraska Mm -hmm. dominate those offenses and our, and my trust level will skyrocket Penn state, Michigan state, and Nebraska have three quarterbacks (laughs) in the top 10 of the total. Really? Well, does Penn state now? I mean, you're, I mean, I don't know if they're going to have one of those guys, Nebraska, that dude's Adrian Martinez who, okay. Flip a coin with whether or not he's going to, which Martinez shows up. Right. Right. And then yes, Michigan state's got a great Peyton Thorne's great. He's been, he's had an excellent season so far. I think that's somebody you can legitimately worry about. I I just got to say like, Penn state does not scare me at all right now. I mean, they don't, I I don't think they have anything really going for them uh, offensively and defensively. I think they're decent, but like, you're not, I don't know that that's not a team that worries me. Um, I mean, look, I feel a hell of a lot better about Ohio state's chances against either Penn state or Iowa after watching the Penn state, Iowa. game. Yeah. Yeah. And then especially get Penn state at home. You're going to Nebraska, but you know, Michigan just showed that's that's not <laughs> it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Yeah, the fighting Scott Frosts don't make me sweat. Sorry. Yeah, and then but yeah, Michigan State I think is a legitimate team. I I think that they obviously rely a lot on their quarterback to get things done for them offensively, but he's been really really good so far, so that helps. And then you got to go to Michigan this year, and Michigan's you know Michigan's a solid team. Like it, I I know that people may look if they didn't watch the you know, the Nebraska game and they see the result like, okay, well, Michigan only beat them by three. Well, that was the line actually, which is really funny to me. <laughs> that was the line on that game because Nebraska, I think is a little bit underrated and Michigan, obviously a little bit overrated and they, they struggled a little bit in the second half. And mm-hmm. 
there, I guess what I'm saying is that was not a bad win for Michigan. That was a decent win for Michigan. It doesn't reveal a whole lot, but it was, you know, Michigan teams in the past don't pull that one out. So yeah. I, I think Ohio state, they've got basically a two game season. If, if you're looking at the really tough teams and it just sucks that that happens to be the very last two games of the season, yeah. uh, you know, back to back. So that's going to be really interesting um, as this kind of goes through. Cause you know, Indiana, that's, you know, that's fine. Well, the thing is, like you expect, you know, people have been hype. It's one of those teams that people have been saying, okay, this is their year. They're going to make it. Right. And then, of course, it never happens. No. Um, you got a chance for some revenge against Purdue because <laughs> from now on, every game you get play against Purdue is a revenge game <laughs> until the end of time. It's like a Jim Trestle Northwestern situation. Like they beat you once and now you're going to beat them by 50 every time you play just out of spite. Make them suffer. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think those final two games are the big ones because I just don't I, I don't have that much faith in the Big Ten. I think it's silly that right now they're ranked that highly. Mm-hmm. So if you want to say that, you know, the Big Ten's got teams 8, 10, 9, that, okay, I get that. I think that makes sense. But in the top five, I, you, you got to come in. Now, with that said, real quick, I don't know who the hell else you would put in that spot because every other team's got deficiencies and, you know, a lot of problems as well. So I think that's an incredibly fair point if you're saying like, well, okay, if not them, then who? Because there's a lot of teams that have a lot of problems. Um, But it's just, it's hard to believe when you watch a game like Penn State and Iowa. Yeah, when I looked up, uh, I had to look up this total QBR thing just to see. So Martinez, Clifford, and Thorne are 8, 9, and 10 currently. C.J. Stroud, by the way, number four. Pretty good. Uh, at 89.3 behind Pitt's Kenny Pickett, old Mrs. Matt Corral, and Liberty's Malik, uh, Malik Willis. All right. Well, and you know, you and some of those some of those teams are going to be relevant in the next you know month or two, and some of them won't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of and that's kind of the point. Like where, you know, where are you actually going to look at this? Um, so I don't know. It's is Cincinnati going to be a top five team? Maybe. I mean, they yeah. <laughs> like, who are they playing? Right. Like they could yeah. win out. So when are you going to start writing a, a threat level uh, Cincinnati version? Oh you know what that you cause, cause that's the other team. People like, really don't, you, people I, understand, dude. And I know you understand, <laughs> I do. <laughs> but people don't understand. This is, you know, people talk about, okay, well you can't allow Michigan to get any semblance of, of, you know, sauciness to them because they'll just be completely insufferable and they'll be the worst and we don't want michigan to have any success because they're i hate it when michigan fans are happy i i gotta tell you something all right i gotta roll back down to middletown and i do which i do every you know about every month uh the the level of front runnership like the the way that cincinnati fans act when they have any modicum of success is just the absolute worst and I like I enjoy watching Cincinnati beat like Notre Dame. Like that's fun as hell. Yeah. Um, but oh my God, they you never hear the end of it. And honestly, Michigan, excuse me, Cincinnati and Ohio State, both in the college football playoff, is like my nightmare. Be, unless Ohio State beats them, I oh my God. There's like only one scenario that doesn't give me a you know a month-long headache. So I I want them to lose at this point. <laughs> I don't want that to happen, um, but uh, we'll see. 
you know, we've, we've talked about Ohio state's offense, uh, extensively. We, we got to talk about this defense for a minute before we, before we start to head this, uh, this bus back to the barn. Uh, are you convinced this defense is legit yet? Or, or are you saying, ah, it was Russ, Rutgers and Maryland see me in November? Yeah, no, I'm not convinced yet. I, and, I, you know, again, I don't know what you do to compare them, right? Like, yes, Ohio State has looked better, and you can kind of, like, say, okay, well, you know, opponent's not so great, so who knows? But when do you get to say that? So I, I think they've definitely looked better. They've looked more decisive. They're playing better assignment football, all that good stuff. But you may not know, honestly, until – you play Michigan state or even let's say Adrian Martinez ends up having a good Adrian day. You know, you, you play Nebraska. It's, it's hard to know. And and that's true for any team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that they're playing much more decisively and especially in the secondary, they make some really just fun plays. I mean, you see all these pick sixes, right? Like week after week, you're like, Oh my God, that that's something to that's something to hang your hat on a little bit as a defense and maybe in totality, you know, guys like Bill Connolly could look at that and go, okay, well, there's still things to be concerned about, and that's fair. But it's still a lot more fun to watch than, you know, watching Ohio State give up 31 points to Minnesota or 35 to, you know, Oregon or whatever. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, this this question of when when we decide the legit's good, you know, Connolly, as I mentioned there, referenced those those teams. And, you know, okay, if you, if you, if the past defense holds up against, martinez stroud and and uh, uh michigan state's guy there uh what what, what thorn was thorn yeah that's sort of like oh you know what's his name up there uh you know then hey you know confidence level goes up and I, and I get that at the same time like we were looking you know when you're looking statistically like maryland was a pretty good offense yeah you know until until iowa you know picked the hell out of them but but in fairness to maryland such as it is i was averaging like three picks a game <laughs> yeah i mean i mean they've got which like, is really it's, funny it's, it's some stupidly insane like you have to look at it and be like is that a typo like is that real right and <laughs> so so like they have a really so ohio state now back to ohio state's defense first time in school history with four consecutive pick sixes that's mm-hmm. kind of one of those wacky stats that you're like oh okay that's cool but i i do like that this defense because i've been saying for a few weeks now that oddly enough the strength of the defense feels like it is the 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 secondary it does feel like it's these, these cornerbacks and to a lesser extent the safeties have been fantastic we look at guys like denzel burke has been a revelation i think a guy that nobody oh, saw yeah, fantastic coming you know rocket ronnie hickman uh you had craig young coming up with uh, the pick six there uh you know it's just they and there have been different guys doing it because four different guys getting the pick sixes so it's not where it's like oh you have one really good guy who's just right. playing lights out it's you know they've They've all been doing well. I still have lots of concerns about the linebackers. Um, you know, sure. the fact that Steel Chambers is the best linebacker on the team. <laughs> but he's like good. That's the thing. And, and he's real, yeah, he's really yeah. like that's not a knock on him, but yeah, I'm it's like, not really the a fact that a guy who wasn't playing the position three months ago is the yeah. best guy at the like that's <laughs> what are we doing here, kid? Yeah, that's not the best situation, but he he has been playing very well. Yes. Um Tragic Mitchell has been has had some flashes. Um, I agree with you though that. Yes, that is that is a kind of an area of concern, but um, 
I don't know. I think they're starting to figure out personnel wise. They're, they're starting to understand who to you know sub in, who to rotate, all that kind of stuff. It's not like they're just throwing spaghetti at the fridge and seeing what sticks. They're they're actually like they've got. It looks like they got a plan, and it looks like the players have kind of bought into that plan. Um, you know, accepting maybe players who like quit at halftime, but like for the most part, it seems like it, it's it's much more solidified, much more. Um, uh, sensical, I guess would be yep. the word in the past several weeks. And that doesn't mean they're fixed or good. It just means that it's predictable in terms of like what you can expect from them on game, well, game, game, game basis. I, I thought it was interesting. You know, the uh, game ball went to Kerry Combs uh, and, you know, on, on the one hand, somebody mentioned in the comments of one piece or the other, that, hey, you know, maybe he's not getting enough credit for what he's doing behind the scenes. Like, we all we all see that he got demoted. It isn't the right word, I guess. But, you know, he got, he got relegated, well, as I put it. He got relegated to relegated the press box. Good. Yeah, that's a good And uh, uh, Barnes gets the play calling duties, which, I mean, seems to have been a brilliant move here. Mm-hmm. Early returns are are good. But but it makes the comment, you know, we're, we're sitting here praising the defensive backs well which guy is the defensive backs coach you know <laughs> with the most you'd say okay right. well combs is the guy right like you put these first rounders that he coached back in the day uh so you know maybe we're not giving the the guy enough credit i whatever whatever's going on behind the scenes i definitely like what we've seen since these changes were made uh it definitely seems like guys are playing with more speed, more comfort, more, which all that's tied in together, right? If you're comfortable with your role and you know, your assignments and oh, of course, so yeah. on, then you're going to be able to play faster and more instinctively. Uh, so that, that, that's all to the good. I'd still like to see more out of the defensive line. You know, again, I know we have insanely high yeah. expectations of them because of the, the Boses and, and Chase Young's and so on of, of the past few years. Uh, you did start to see more of that disruption. They've gotten a bit more sack happy, uh, you know, we've seen more tackles for loss that go, you know, again, goes on the linebackers as much as it does the defensive line, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just eager to see as they get deeper into this big 10 schedule, can they continue to grow into being, if not a championship quality defense, at least one that can, can support Ohio state's championship caliber offense. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. It's, it's about growth and progression and seeing, you know, how they kind of evolve. And, you know, <laughs> in this crazy year, maybe Ohio State is there already. Maybe that's fun. Maybe what they've done, maybe who they are offensively is enough, just given the deficiencies of apparently every other team in the country. But uh, I think this team has a much higher ceiling than that. And, you know, it, <laughs> their division right now is nuts. So we'll see how this all shakes out at the end of the season and in December. But right now, I think if you look at all of these teams, to me, Ohio State, A, has the most room to grow, and B, has you know pretty easily the highest ceiling. They're, they they can really, I think, make some noise um, in a playoff as opposed to an Iowa or a Michigan or you know something like that. Because those are teams that I think have pretty much tapped out their potential. A couple of data points I thought were really cool, and kudos to our colleague Griffin Strom for pointing these out. Um, you're looking at the defense, Ohio State now up to number 33 in the country and scoring defense at 20 and a half points allowed per game, which is pretty great when you consider they gave up 66 points in the first two weeks, 86 points in the first three, and then over the past three games, they've given up a total of 37 points. So, I mean, they've 
they, they've done quite <laughs> quite well in that regard mm-hmm. uh but then you know when you look at the you and i were talking earlier about the ground game and and that being the thing that you and i both saw as the fatal flaw is that they were getting just gashed on the ground uh when things were going horribly wrong defensively so in the first two weeks of the season ohio state's opponents had 88 rush attempts and 472 yards in other words uh 4.4 yards per carry six rushing touchdowns over the past four weeks 135 rushing attempts a total of 316 yards for 2.3 yards per carry and zero rushing touchdowns pretty good that's what you want to see that's that's the kind of that's the kind of turnaround you want to see pretty wild all right I, I, I like where we're heading here. Um, so we, we touched on Michigan a little bit, but I, you know, I always enjoy the threat level, uh, (laughs) where, where, where is your level of, of confidence that Michigan is a worthy opponent this year versus September is over and now the crap fest can start. Yeah. I mean, I'll, like, I kind of alluded to briefly earlier, I, I think this is the kind of team that. Well, this is kind of game when they were playing Nebraska that they lose in previous years. Yeah, you know I, and I, mean? I thought they were like I, I thought they were on track to lose that again. Yeah, I Nebraska, thought they were Nebraska had their shot. Right, exactly. Nebraska had their shot, and again, you're relying on Adrian Martinez to win you a game, and that's that's not always a good good <laughs> bet. But the way that Nebraska was able to move the ball in the second half, they threw for a lot of yards. Uh, I was like, okay, well, Michigan typically would fold in this position you know what i mean they, they would they would kind of collapse and, and Cade mcnamara even said it after the game he was like look previous years previous teams have been on with this this squad this program we don't win this game but i think they are a much tougher team they figured out the um the running game a little bit and that was something that they had struggled with the previous two games so asan askins and, and blake quorum both you know, played really well. And it mo- a lot of it, honestly, was just due to the offensive line blocking much better than they had been. Like they, they had not done well the previous two games. The offensive line really kind of came to play and helped them out a lot. Um, you know, it, it, Michigan is not a great team and they're not going to be a great team. I think they've pretty much maxed out what you're going to see from Michigan Wolverine football right now that, that they are who they are. But if they play to a high level, they can be a tough team. And can they beat Ohio state? Yes, they can beat Ohio state. This is not a situation where, you know, Ohio state roll in Ann Arbor and win by 50 points guaranteed. Now that could happen, right? That that's still just, something, especially given that their biggest weakness happens to be Ohio state's biggest strength in the passing game. Um, but they're good and they can sustain drives and they've got a good running game. They've got two good running backs. So, you know, I'm not, if I'm looking at a power ranking of big 10 teams, I still don't know exactly how I feel about Michigan state, but I think, I think Michigan's probably the second or third best team in the, in the conference right now. That's, that's Mm -hmm. really how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, I think they're a deserved top 10, top 12 type of team right now. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Let's uh, let's move on to my favorite segment of the program. Ask us anything. Good time to remind everyone that the Dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11 warriors.com. It's dry goods. Not 11warriors.com hats, t-shirts, stickers coming into fall. So get uh, a toboggan hat or a toque or a beanie, whatever you prefer to call it. Maybe something a, a little warmer to snuggle up with while you watch this fall games over your, your pumpkin spiced, whatever, but just go to dry goods, 11 warriors 
Com. Uh, and of course, if you want to send us your questions, you can do so via our email dubcast at 11warriors.com or hit us up on ye old social media networks, uh, Twitter by preference. Johnny, what do you got in the mailbag this week? So I'll start off with a question that we kind of put on ice for a week uh, from our good friend here, Brian. And I'll kind of condense this a little bit, but basically he wants to know, so with the offense having such an embarrassment of riches, what is one alignment or package you'd want to see just because it would make you laugh, which by the way, the best reason to see a certain alignment. Yeah. Right. The funnier something is the more it should be used. Uh, Give me the most ridiculous package. Ohio State could score points with. I don't know. (laughs) Like maybe one of those Uh, that would likely never, ever happen in a game. He gives a couple here. He says a jumbo T package with all three running backs. And at the same time, service Academy style, they should do that anyway. Um, Four and five wide receiver packages, but you can only use former five-star players. That's funny with Henderson as a wide out. (laughs) um the elephant package minnesota was using that was weird um some other yeah, stuff i was gonna say yeah just 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 run what 10 offensive linemen out yeah there. i was about to it's, say it's i fine. don't like i don't i i i understand the logic i know what they're trying to do but it seems like something i would kind of like write up as a you know a third grader or something like yeah i can make offensive plays everybody's an offensive lineman and you just block like that's, that's just something four, i would have said it's just run yeah. four verticals right yeah uh, yeah four <laughs> verticals. um i okay so i've thought about this and i you know i i told you andy i'd give you a little uh preview so you could maybe think about it as well i love really stupid offensive formations that never really worked in practice but were thought of as like the new hotness when they first started (laughs) so okay so i think the pistol right pistol never got its just as it not it never got its fair shake right it never got its due so i want to see some pistol stuff combined with wildcat stuff where like i don't know you put cj Stroud out wide and then maybe you have like henderson up like two steps back or something like that i want to see an amalgamation of all the really goofy alignments that at one point in time were considered to be like the next evolution of football so pistol wildcat i want to incorporate that a little bit the package that i (laughs) thought of pistol wildcat the style cat yeah, you gotta have a name for it. Like they could bring 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 some uh, bring bring some hipness to it. Yeah. The package that uh, I immediately thought of when you passed this question along was: Do you remember here a few years ago? The all the talk was the diamond formation or the diamond. Oh yeah, package. You remember that? <laughs> I like about that. I'm trying to remember who all we were trying to get on the field, but it, you know it was like you had all the same kind of deal, right. With the embarrassment right. of, of weapons that uh, urban Meyer and Ryan day had at their uh, disposal. You, you were, you're going to do the diamond package. And like, I remember people talking about that all the time. It seemed like that one whole off season into the early part of the season, we're going to finally see the diamond. Are we finally going to see the di- diamond? Like, so I just want, I, I guess I want day to like troll us with <laughs> rolling yeah. the diamond package. Well, the, I mean, they're, they're using fullbacks now. So anything, well, that, I mean, Hey, you know, that, I mean, that was the other thing I thought of when we, when, when the question came, like, we didn't know that was going to happen when we held the question, but then, no, I know, know, right? we're, we're rolling out the I formation and fullbacks. Hell yeah. Like I'm all about it. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, and people laugh about that though, but that honestly to me, cause it's not like as much as we laugh about it, it's not like Ryan day is doing that for a joke. He's doing it because he think it'll, it'll score points and get yards. And then it, and it did. 
It does. It did. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I love about Ryan Day is that it's not a joke to him. He's doing it because he knows it works. Well, well, and and, it does work. And let's be, you know, big, let's be meta big picture about this. Like think about every, every offensive system or scheme has a defensive system or scheme that can beat it. Right. The question Mm -hmm. is, can you implement it? A with your personnel, A with, you know, B with your base package, C, you know, can you do it quickly enough? D will it work, you know, in a given play matching a given play. But like, if you sat down, if you knew Ohio state's going to run, you know, 85 yards through the heart of the South. Like you could, if you knew that ahead of time, uh, like a certain uh, Clemson defensive coordinator seemed to always used to be able to do, then you could call up the perfect play to counter that offensive play. Right. Like, so, so the same thing can be said for styles of offense in general. Right. So you can say, okay, we're going to, we're going to play the urban Meyer spread offense. All right. So here's defensively how we shut that down. Okay. We're going to run, you know, the air raid. Okay. Defensively, here's how we counter that. Right. So when you, when you look at, but the same could be true for offense. If you've got a defense, look at Ohio state versus Virginia tech in 14. Oh my God. We've never seen this bear defense before. What, what the hell is this? This is crazy. And then everybody threw it on Ohio state. Well, Ohio state knew how to beat it. Then it was fine. Nobody else had the success with it. The Virginia tech did. Mm-hmm. Even though the next three or four opponents tried it. So you're, you're Ryan Day, you, you look and say, okay. And as systems evolve over time, so defenses have evolved to take on these college spread to run type offenses. Well, hey, now what? You know, let's go back and run some basic old school power football there. And it, and it worked. So, you know, I, I just think that's, that's part of the chess game. And Ryan Day is a better chess player than most of the defensive coordinators you're going to see across the field. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's go to this next one here. This question is from our good friend Alvin, who wants to know, does NIL or gambling have more impact for college sports in the future? Uh, you know, I'd say I to me, the NIL thing isn't going to necessarily have more impact in the future than it does now. I think that I think the game is already changing to meet that. And and what I mean by that is like whatever is going to happen in recruiting is is already happening. Whatever is going to happen in terms of like the compliancy type stuff. Like I don't necessarily expect a bunch of changes that we haven't already talked about relative to NIL. Now, you know, will there be changes? Sure there, but like I think the biggest sea changes have or are already happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the gambling aspect is a much bigger thing because you're, I mean, look at just how much evolution there's been in the past five years in terms of gambling. I mean, there was a time when it was unfathomable that there would be professional sports team in Las Vegas. Now, oh my gosh, you know, look at the franchises that couldn't get to Las Vegas fast enough. Right. right so you know, I, I don't know what that looks like in the college game per se. Do I expect that there's going to be a sports book, you know, inside the shoe? Uh, no, <laughs> that'd be sick. No, no. Like I, you first know, renovation of the but, shoe that they do is to add that. <laughs> but I, I mean, I definitely think there's somehow these colleges are going to figure out a way to make money on gambling. The, the money, like <laughs> the money's just too good. Not, yeah. uh, there's I think huge I, money there. Huge. There is. It, it is. It's enormous. And I agree with you. It, it's going to be more about who can uh, leverage it for the most amount of money. And if like NIL versus gambling and these large institutions 
not just like i mean i don't think you'll see public institutions get super into it but there's a lot more infrastructure around college sports in general uh that could definitely make some cash off of that so i think i agree with you i think gambling's probably it um and you're already seeing seeing a lot of that integration um in the way the media presents it and whatnot including 11 warriors i mean you know we talk about lines and betting all that all the yeah, time yeah um so i i think i think it's really going to be gambling i agree i, I think that's NIL definitely impacts individual players and that'll be big. And I'm not trying to diminish that, but gambling is something that everybody can get into and it's, it's a lot more money overall. So mm-hmm. with that, yep. um, so this is from Matt in Minneapolis. And by the way, he just, he has a couple of comments and thoughts about our, our home buying and wealth accumulation conversation. So I'll present that a little bit. Um, one of the things they talked about is just saying like, uh, the market is such a big deal for real estate, like depending on where you live and where you're at, which is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you cannot compare, you know, how, you know, my parents house in Middletown is doing versus like, you know, what housing prices look like in Columbus. So that is, that's a very good point. Um, and he also said, you know, if you don't trust your home inspector with your firstborn child, build new if you can or prepared, uh, be prepared to pay through the nose for homeowner fixes. I will, I will say that that is, it's interesting because our house um, is a very old house. It's over hundred years old, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, isn't super old, but it required a lot of like uh, basement fixes for flooding and whatnot. And luckily we were able to get that included in the price of the house when we bought it. Like they took care of that, but um, had it not been, that would have been an extra ten, twelve thousand dollars. So I, I, yes, I understand what he's saying with that. That's that's definitely a big deal. Um, and then the question that Matt has is, why does nobody make the comparison between the end of Jimbo Fisher at FSU and what's going on in A and M? Interesting. It's an interesting point. Um, I, I know you said earlier, not a big fan of Jimbo Fisher, right? Yeah, hundred like, percent. And and it's <laughs> and it's because like I. Uh, it it just still to this day galls me and maybe it's because i have this bag i've referenced this before but like th- there was a long time when pete carroll first went to the nfl mm-hmm. that every time the seahawks were on tv i would sit and mutter and and curse about slippery pete carroll because and the stunning mrs vance mrs vance would ask me about it and i would just say you know it just chaps my ass that slippery Pete got out of Southern California, you know, two steps ahead of the sheriff and, you know, Jim Trestle at the time was in purgatory as like the vice president of student happiness at Toledo or wherever the hell he was, Akron, wherever he was before he got back to Youngstown state. And I'm like, this is just wrong to me that a guy who presided over a program with far worse transgressions, you know, got a promotion and a huge pay hike to go play, you know, coach in the NFL and our guy <laughs> who, you know, was like doing tiddlywinks by comparison <laughs> was right. like shunned and kicked out of the sport. And right. so like that just always bugged me. Same thing with Jimbo Fisher. Like I look at at that, that whole Jameson Winston, Jameson, James Winston. I'm thinking about whiskey, clearly uh, James <laughs> Winston debacle and, you know, what all the accusations against. Well, and the stuff, you know, the report where it talks about like all the the academic the, issues the, well and the, 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 the cover-up I mean, the tallahassee police department is is in essence you know a booster unit of the right. florida state football program right i mean it's just if you read the reporting on that i mean the good like good journalism on that uh and weren't just disgusted yeah. with 
everything about that situation. And I mean, like, am I going to say Jimbo Fisher is as bad as Art Bryles? I, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, Art Bryles, Art Bryles, you know, it allegedly just ignored people who were coming forward with accusations of sexual assault and things like that. And, you know, did not forward any of that up the chain allegedly just you know ignored all that stuff even when people who were saying that they had been assaulted were directly talking to him he hand waved them off like that's what he's accused of so like i i think our brows is kind of on a different level of evil but i will say that like it is pretty weird and i i agree with matt here that our our memories are pretty short when it comes yeah. to some of this stuff yeah and now that you've got the aggies having this great upset win and everybody's like you know kind of riding that train like wow that's great you took out a, you know alabama they had a hundred you know 100 straight wins right over these you know non-ranked teams i i i agree that there is a very short attention span short memory when it comes to some of these things and that probably should not be the case um especially and, with and especially when the, it surrounds guys like Jimbo Fisher and, and whatnot. There's the grand scheme of things too. You know, at this point, A and M is still one and two in their conference, and four that's and, true. Yeah, four and two overall. They're so not making the college I, football know, playoff. Yeah, yeah. I'm like they they've had they've had their day. Uh, good for them. And you know, if I'm looking at their schedule ahead, uh, so obviously Alabama was the toughest game on their schedule. They're going to play unranked Missouri, unranked South Carolina, unranked Auburn. They're going to play number 13, uh, Ole Miss, and then Prairie View on Chicken Shit Saturday, and they're going to finish <laughs> with an LSU program that, you know, how far that's, have the that's another That's another conversation along these lines, I think, when you're looking at Ed Orgeron. Like, people – 60 Minutes had a profile on old Eddie O. And, you know, oh, it's bound to buy it. And people, you know, fawning over his story and whatnot. There's a lot of stuff surrounding that guy um, that is not super, super positive, right? Mm -hmm. Super indicative of a guy in that position, uh, you know, doing the right thing. So it's, it's just, I don't know. It's frustrating because when you see that kind of stuff, you want there to be consequences. And then, somebody wins the game or they win a championship or something like that. And it just feels like it's one step forward in terms of making sure that people are doing the right thing. And then 10 steps backwards, because we forget how to walk. It's, it's just, yeah. it's so weird. Um, I so would I, say, I get I, you know, Ole Miss is the only game on their schedule yet that that's a real legit, you know, legit ranked opponent. Um, Ole Miss right now, four and one, one and one in the conference, and, you know, so they're that's that's going to be a tough game for A and M. Um, I could see that mm. one going either way. You know, if A and M plays Ole Miss the way that uh, they they played Alabama, you know, I hey, I guess anything's possible. So, but it'll be really interesting because they've got those two losses on their schedule already. Um, really interesting to see where do they fall when it's all said and done with. But I, I'm I'm with you. It's not going to be in the uh, it's not going to be in the college playoff college football yeah. playoff no not at all so that's ask us anything thanks for sending those in and, and keep at it because those are excellent questions all right my friend great show this week and uh you know what what i'm kind of sad about is as you alluded to early earlier uh by week next week but, yep. but we will have plenty to talk about because as i mentioned we will be bringing scheme master extraordinaire 
Kyle Jones to the Dubcast next week. So you won't want to miss that. That is appointment listening, uh, consistently one of our most popular guests of, of all time. Things we will talk about with him include, but are limited to the defensive turnaround. Is it for real? What has he liked? Uh, is Ohio State's offensive line um, one of the best in the country? I was, I, my ears perked up quite a bit when I was hearing the commentary uh, on the game Saturday referencing uh, a comparison between Ohio State's offensive line and the LSU offensive line that paved the way for Joe Burrow's Heisman winning season. I think they won that. Uh, uh, what wait, What is the offensive line award? It's, I, I started to say the the, the, the um, Joe Moorhead award, but then I realized I was thinking that the about Benaric, is it? No, 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 no. Um, I'll have to look this up, but it's, yeah, it's the one that they give to the whole offensive line it's more it's the more something but but at any rate we'll talk about the offensive line we'll talk about uh uh the defensive turnaround in specific and so if you have any other questions that you want us to ask specifically to scheme master kyle jones go ahead and send that to us uh via dubcast at 11 warriors.com or or hit us up on twitter as well and we'll talk about those next week until then i'm andy i'm johnny thanks for joining us on the 11 dubcast <laughs>